The Gospel of Jesus Christ turns the enemies of God into his servants and friends. There's one man whose story most powerfully illustrates this truth. It's the story of Saul and his unexpected conversion. In an instant, the proud persecutor of the church became the humble, submissive follower of Jesus. Today on The Wisdom Journey, Stephen has a lesson called A Most Surprising Conversion. Well, we arrive today at one of the most dramatic conversion stories in the history of the New Testament church. And frankly, nobody was a more surprising convert to Christianity than this persecutor of the church. In fact, the early church is going to have a hard time believing it really happened. His name was Saul. Saul was this red-hot, zealous, young Pharisee who'd been tutored by the great Jewish scholar Gamaliel. Back in Acts chapter 5, Gamaliel had cautioned the Sanhedrin to leave these apostles alone, to let time prove or disprove their account of Christ's resurrection. But now, Gamaliel's young student has become convinced that, you know, time is just sort of slipping away. In fact, it's now past time to get rid of the followers of Jesus, to stamp out this threat to Judaism and all of Judaism's cherished traditions. So in Acts chapter 8, following the killing of Stephen, verse 3 says that Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Well, now we arrive at Acts chapter 9, where this hunter of Christians is heading toward Damascus. He's planning to capture believers, but he's, he's about to be captured by Christ. Verse 1 tells us, Saul, still breathing threats and murder, against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. This Greek word translated breathing in this verse was commonly used to to describe war horses snorting breath as they prepared to charge into battle. Well, Jesus had predicted to his disciples back in John chapter 16, verse 2, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. Well, that describes Saul here. He considers this a battle for the honor of God. He he believes he's defending the honor of Judaism, the Jewish distinctives, the, the great temple worship system. He's convinced he's guarding the nation against the followers of this, this executed carpenter who posed as a as a fake messiah. Well, verse 2 continues telling us Saul asked the high priest for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. You might notice that the way was an early designation, perhaps the earliest for Christianity. It was likely coined by the disciples in honor of their Lord, who had declared himself to be what? The way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. It isn't until Acts chapter 11 that the term Christian will be used for the first time. So here's this hunter of 
heretics, he thinks. He's been given approval from the high priest to capture as many of Jesus' followers as he can and bring them back in chains to Jerusalem to face imprisonment, interrogation, and more than likely, death. Well, he doesn't know it yet, but at this moment here, the hunter happens to be hunted by God. Verse 3, now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Well, this blinding light forces Saul to the ground, and it's accompanied here in verse 4 by a, a voice from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, these words must have been shocking to Saul. Wait, I'm persecuting God? I thought I was serving God by persecuting followers of Jesus. Saul is stunned, but he actually he actually dares to ask a question. Here it is in verse 5. Who are you, Lord? It's as if he's saying, uh, surely you're not related to these heretic runaway Jews. I'm persecuting them, not you. So would you let me know for certain, Lord? Would you identify yourself? And the Lord God of heaven does exactly that. He answers here in verse 5, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Wow. Saul can hardly believe it. It's all true. Jesus, that carpenter who, who became this traveling rabbi, declaring himself to be the Son of God, who was beaten and crucified and buried, he really is alive. He, he is the resurrected Lord, which means he's the Messiah, which means he really is the son of the living God. He's everything he said he is, including the way, the truth, and the life. Can you imagine what this all means to Saul's mind that must have been racing? He must have been saying to himself, Stephen, whose death I approved, and others like him that I've seen put to death, imprisoned, they're innocent. People I condemned as heretics were were right. I'm the one who's wrong. The high priest is wrong. The Sanhedrin is wrong. We've been persecuting Jesus, who happens to be the Lord of heaven and earth. Can you imagine how incredibly encouraging his testimony is going to be to all Christians then and now, especially those who suffer persecution? When you're persecuted for your faith in Christ, when you're mocked or marginalized, what does the enemy whisper in your ear? Well, he whispers things like, you're all alone. God God doesn't care. Uh, God doesn't even see what you're going through. Well, beloved, those are all lies. God sees. Your Savior knows. In fact, what people are doing to you as a follower of Jesus, they're actually doing to the Savior himself. Did you catch what the Lord said to Saul, who was persecuting believers? He said to him, you are persecuting me. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 8, Saul, whom we now know as Paul, indicates that he actually saw the resurrected Christ in brilliant display. Beloved, this isn't just a bright light here on this road to Damascus. This is this is the Savior in his post-resurrection glory whom Paul glimpses 
for a brief moment before he goes blind, and, and, and Paul will never forget it. Later on in the book of Acts, when Paul recounts this experience in chapter 22 and verse 10, he, he adds this uh, little phrase uh, of, to what he said, what shall I do, Lord? He didn't say, what shall I do, Jesus? Instead, as an act of immediate surrender and worship. There's no doubt here. This is an expression of salvation. He calls Jesus Lord. He, he realizes that Jesus is indeed the Lord of heaven, none other than Almighty God. Well, now back here in Acts chapter 9, the Lord tells Saul to go on into Damascus, and he'll be told what to do next. We're also told in verse 7 that the men traveling with Saul heard a voice, but they didn't see anybody. Well, now verse 8. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now imagine this scene. Saul had planned to ride into Damascus with all you know this authority, this power. He, he was bringing fear upon all who proclaimed Jesus as Messiah and Lord. But now, here he is, led by the hand, helpless and humble. Frankly, he's in a state of shock. Everything he had believed was wrong. Everything he had defended was incorrect. Everybody he had wronged was in the right I think of the life of this this brilliant, proud young man. It's all just crumbled down around him. But let me tell you, he's entering Damascus, a new man, a redeemed sinner, (laughs) a baby in Christ, if you can imagine it. And he's about to be given a new mission in life. Well, let's learn a couple of lessons from this rather surprising conversion First, don't underestimate the power of simple truth. You know, maybe you're intimidated to speak to somebody at work because they mock you and your Christianity. Maybe you think you need a degree in apologetics before you approach some skeptic at school, or, or, or you believe you need a deeper understanding of the doctrines of Scripture before you, you say anything. Well, let me tell you, what God uses to win a person to Christ isn't the brilliance of your argument but the simplicity of your gospel and your testimony. Yes, learn as much as you can. Prepare as well as you can. Study as diligently as you can. But don't forget to just just tell others the truth. Tell them what Christ has done for you. Don't underestimate the power of simple truth and your testimony. Secondly, don't underestimate the reach of God's grace. Now, as far as the early church is concerned, Saul is enemy number one. I I doubt Saul was on anybody's prayer list. I don't imagine anybody would have wanted to even get near him, much, much less knock on his door and invite him to church. Saul would have been considered unreachable. But the Lord can, and the Lord does, reach people like Saul, doesn't he? Well, he reached you. He reached me. Maybe there's somebody you need to put back on your prayer list and stay connected to. Never underestimate the reach 
of God's grace. Well, until we set sail again, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I'm glad you are with us today as Stephen Davey continues traveling along this wisdom journey. I wonder if examining the conversion of Saul reminded you of anyone in your life who's in need of the gospel. If so, we have a resource to help you discuss the gospel with the people in your life. Visit wisdomonline.org forward slash gospel to learn more. That's wisdomonline.org forward slash gospel. Do that today. Then join us back here next time to continue your wisdom journey.